Hello and welcome to CBuzz, a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber and CD1025. On this show, we bring you the best stories from Columbus business owners. I am your host, Dan Swartout, and today I am so pleased that we are talking with Greg Hubert, the owner of Crimson Cup. Greg, thank you so much for being here today. It, it's awesome to have you here on CBuzz. Hey, Dan, it's great to be here. This is a wonderful facility. <laughs> Thank you. Now, um, before we get started a little, uh, talking a little bit about you and Crimson Cup, why don't you tell us a little bit about Crimson Cup, what it is, what it does, and, 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 and the business that you're in? Sure. Uh, Crimson Cup, we are a specialty coffee roaster, so we go to origin and source all our coffees, work directly with farmers and bring it up here uh, and, and roast it. So we roast it. We supply coffee houses throughout about 28 states. We were recently into Bangladesh. Um, that's through an OSU connection. And uh, so we supply coffee houses, college universities, uh, um, grocers, especially grocers, um, throughout. So you actually now also supply coffee to, to locations in Bangladesh as well? That is correct. What was that like? That is correct. Um, um, they are looking to expand. They, they saw an opportunity. They had our coffee at Ohio State. Uh, we work with them, and, and, and they came to me and, and wanted to expand Crimson Cup over in Bangladesh. And I thought, wow, this is a cool opportunity. That's really cool. Who would have thought, you know, since uh, starting my business in 1991 and having the idea to have search out great coffee, which we still do, mm -hmm. uh, and then also um, – uh, really educate, teach people about coffee, uh, innovate, innovate on products. Those are the types of things we love to do. And then also the teaching part of how to be successful in business. So that really encompasses uh, a Crimson Cup and, and what we do. So our mission is to have the best coffee house products and uh -huh. to teach others how to be successful in selling specialty coffee. That's what we do. Excellent. That's a cool overview. So now all the questions that I ask you from here on out, we've got a cool basis to draw from that everyone knows what we're talking about. And we're talking about you, Greg. You have a really fascinating, interesting story, as as most of our entrepreneurs here on CBuzz do. Now, you grew up here in central Ohio, correct? I did. I went to uh, Worthington High School. And uh, graduated there in 1985, going back a ways. 30 years. Did you go to your 30-year reunion? I absolutely did. We have a very uh, tight class, and that was uh, one of the uh, benefits of uh, being in Worthington. And, and again, one of the reasons why I moved back to Columbus, because there are a bunch of strong communities here in central Ohio. And that's something I think a, a huge benefit of being in Columbus. Did you bring coffee to the reunion? Uh, it was late night. I actually <laughs> the had next a, morning, did I you bring coffee? A, I actually had an Independence uh, Day coffee conference. It's one of the things we put on for our entrepreneur customers. So uh -huh. We have customers coming in from around the country, and that was uh, on Saturday. So I didn't get there so late Saturday night. I don't think people in the mood for coffee at that point. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> let's, let's fill the dance floor with some Java. <laughs> now, so you, you graduate from Thomas or Worthington, now Thomas Worthington High School. You graduate mm -hmm. from Worthington High School and you go to a little college called Harvard. A little college in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That is correct. Um, you know, not that well known, a little, a little university kind of tucked away, maybe a well-kept secret, Harvard. And, and what did you study at Harvard? 
Well, at Harvard, I studied uh, <laughs> economics. Uh, economics was uh, was my thing, and and uh, so graduated there in in 1989. But that was a wonderful experience. It really was. Uh, and what that opened me up to is a whole bunch of different things. Uh, a whole diversity of people because mm-hmm. they're coming from around the world. Really smart people. Really Good. smart people. And uh, Harvard's not a little. I mean, Harvard's a big deal. Obviously, I was being just a little bit facetious in the introduction. Of course, of course. But uh, but that's really uh, how I got um, to know a lot of different people and enjoy all different types of cultures and different types of people. Um, and then, so that was fantastic for me. The studies were, um, I would say, challenging for I, me. Yeah. You know, I was playing two sports at the time, so I played both football and baseball. Uh, and so uh, that kept my time quite a bit. Uh, but nonetheless, I managed to, to get through. I won't tell you my grade point average, but I do have a degree from Harvard, Dan. <laughs> Back in the day, they used to call it, what, the gentleman C? Is that what they used to call it at Harvard? There you go. <laughs> so uh, you studied economics. What, what was your originally, what did you want to do with your economics degree? Because you went from having an economics degree from Harvard to being a software engineer. And that's not the type of leap I think normally people would, would think of going from an economic study to, to a software engineer. So what were you intending to do with your degree and how did you end up as a software engineer? Well, I, I, out of uh, college, one of the things I realized, I love Boston. It's a tremendous city. Yes. Uh, and I was just compelled to get back to the Midwest. So uh, being in the Midwest was important to me. Uh, and at the time, there's a whole bunch of people recruiting from all across the country. One was Chicago, and this was a computer software company. And I figured high tech is what a lot of people are doing. Uh, sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was recruited there uh, on the on the sales front. So there's a whole bunch of... Um, the president was recruiting uh, basically Ivy League athletes to come in and be the next sales force. And so that's what that's what I did. I said, oh, that 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 sounds good to me. So that's what led me back to uh, Chicago. Um, after a year, I figured, you know what, maybe computer software isn't for me, you know, <laughs> and I really started looking for other things to do, other things that I was passionate about. I think that's what was missing for me was a passion. I also looked around the company, and what I found was uh, um, what I thought, not where I wanted to be. There were certainly some some really good people there. By the same token, there's ones that I felt were, were kind of there just, you know, punching the clock. Uh-huh. And for me, that wasn't the environment that it is that I wanted to be in. So I started looking at the opportunity, geez, starting my own business. What did I love to do? Because I wanted a place where people could get really excited about what it is that they're doing. Because to me, it's life, right? Whether you're working, whether you're playing, it's all life. And uh-huh. there's only a certain amount of that. It's very short for all of us. Right. So I wanted to really enjoy what I did, but not only myself, but get others who were really excited about what they were doing. So the fact that I love coffee, uh, I remember sitting at a coffee bar in Los Gatos, California, thinking, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because I was visiting a buddy who was going to Stanford Business School, went up and down the coast and sitting there in this cafe, drinking a cup of coffee, saying, geez, what am I going to do? And at that point, I said, why not coffee? Why not especially coffee? Great coffee, because it just wasn't around. It wasn't as big a segment then as it is now, absolutely. And, and as you finally decided on coffee, did you have other thoughts before that, other businesses that you were entertaining before you finally made the decision with coffee? 
Uh, there, there was probably a few, uh, Dan, and thankfully I didn't take that those paths. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, you know something I've always enjoyed though is beverages. Uh huh. Right. So um, you're speaking to me now. It, I, it, was, I... it was it was one thing where, um, and this comes from my my parents who grew up in a, a very small town in Kansas. They wanted to get out of there, not because they didn't love the town. They did love the town. However, they wanted to experience other things. So that was one thing my parents always said: is Hey, go experience some other things. Do some other things. And 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 certainly beverages, different types of beverages, foods. That was one of the things. Being in Boston back in the '80s, there wasn't any good seafood here. There just there just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And being exposed to the seafood out there, I'd never have never had steamed clams or what they call steam before <laughs> and having that opportunity that was fantastic and and other types of beverages certainly uh-huh. I love beer yeah beer's another thing you know and, and some other types of beverages too so I enjoy trying uh, different things and always have and that's part of the reason why coffee because once I had a great cup of coffee I thought wow this is incredible I bet you other people would like this too just the way I would I like it so when you're talking about starting this business in 1991, you were kind of on the forefront of what was to come later because you're talking about beverages, you're talking about coffee, you're talking about food, you know, specialty coffees weren't really a thing, craft beer, did that even exist? And and like artisan type food. So you kind of saw this coming before it came. I think, uh, you know, again, it was, it was pretty simple for me. You know, I, I just made the conclusion back then that if I can really love this, this beverage, because, again, most people were drinking it for caffeine. Yes. That's why people were drinking coffee back then. Most, yes. Not all. You most, had coffee but, achievers. Right? Remember the commercials, and, <laughs> Coffee Achievers? <laughs> and, uh, and the taste of it, quite frankly, was just awful. It, it, you yes. Know? It was awful. And, uh, but having a great cup of coffee, my determination was is that, geez, you know what? Other people will drink coffee, not just for the caffeine, but for the taste. And so that, that was certainly uh, a major reason for me wanting to move and pick up and uh, from Chicago and move uh, back to Columbus. And thankfully, I have a good relationship with my parents because they let me move in. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of capital, right? <laughs> right. And uh, I needed uh, that. And, and, and my mom was there cooking meals and stuff like that for me. Didn't make me pay, thankfully. Uh, very, but you know very what? nice. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was great to be able to uh, move in, um, uh, be with my parents and my younger sister, and then be able to start the business and then really get that going. What I find fascinating about your business is you are actually kind of starting a business in a, in a segment in a market that didn't really exist all that much at the time. So you didn't really have a blueprint. If someone were to come out now and say, I want to start a coffee business, they have so many successful models that they could take a blueprint from, learn from as they start their business. You didn't have that in 1991. So what were those initial steps like as you're kind of creating this business from scratch? Well, probably like most entrepreneurs, uh, it's kind of like, okay, how do I do this? Uh-huh. And you know you need to get revenue, yes. right? And yes. so, well, otherwise you, you don't eat, or I, I still would have eaten, but then I would have been at my parents still. So you may not be talking to me. Uh, <laughs> if it's so, 1995, you're still cooking your meals. It's like Craig. <laughs> that's right. So for us, it, for me, it was about education, mm-hmm. right? Because especially coffee, not many people knew about it. Right. So 
not only was mine uh, having to go out and find the customer, because there really wasn't a list of customers, it was just kind of really knocking on doors. And that's something that Quite frankly, I'm uh, uh, more of an introvert than an extrovert, and that was very hard for me. But the reality is I had to do it. You had no choice. There was no choice, right? So I had to figure out a way to get good at that, figure out a way to tell the story, figure out a way to uh, educate in a way that people wanted to be educated, if they wanted to be educated at all, or to get them to try the product. Uh Uh-huh. That's that's that was really the f- uh, foremost thing on my mind. So I just again, like uh, like most entrepreneurs, they figure it out and say, okay, I need to do X number of calls a day, and I need to have X uh, Y no amount of revenue uh, coming in each and every month in order for me to do the things that it is that we need to do. So yes, I had a business plan that I created, but to your point, there there was no model for it. Right. Um, and finding the people who could, who would listen. Well, thankfully, uh, we have some great customers at Crimson Cup, and we still have some of those going way back, which is really phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, because they were one of the first people to listen and, and to hear me and talk about the education piece about coffee. And uh, so I'm very thankful for that. I, I want to get into more of what those initial presentations of the Crimson Cup story were like. But before that, I'd like to hear a little bit about the coffee and how you came to create these great blends of coffee because before you can tell the story you've got to have the product well that's right i mean the sales side is one thing right yes and then you have the product side yes that's another facet of the business <laughs> right yes yes so uh from the from the roasting perspective for how to roast um what coffees to get you know, so it's the operation side of the business really is what I had to learn as well as the sales side. Mm-hmm. So that was purely and wholly experimentation, right? I would access great coffee, uh, bring it in and roast it. And uh, if you do that, generally pretty good, at least at that point in time, the coffee was going to be pretty phenomenal. There's going to be a difference, right? It was so going to be better than your standard run of the mill coffee. It was going to be. It, it was going to be better. Uh-huh. Um, so I couldn't mess it up that bad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so just improve the process, yeah. improve what we're doing from operational, uh, and that, that, that's how we got into blends, right? What should be blending? So I talked to people in the industry. Hey, what are you doing? How are you doing things? Uh, some of them were, were helpful on that end uh, because it was very small. It was a small industry back then. Mm -hmm. There weren't many people to talk to, really. Um, But the people that I did talk to kind of shared some of the things. And I, you know, my my taste profile, how I taste coffee or cup coffee. Uh, So really, it was just an intensive process. That's why you hear entrepreneurs working, you know, that you get to pick which 12 hours a day you work, right? (laughs) You you only work a half day. You just pick the 12 that you work. Uh, And I was, uh, I don't know, I was probably working 90 90 plus hours a week because of all those different facets because it was just me and you had because you had to pull together the product side and the marketing side Mm -hmm. at the same time yes wow so did you ever did you ever travel when you're doing these initial coffee creations did you ever travel to where the coffee was grown or did you have it sent to you initially initially no Initially, no. Uh, had I, you know, had I had maybe uh, a decent amount of, or more capital at that point, so I could have hired somebody. I think, who knows? Looking back on it, that certainly would have been something I would have done back then. Uh-huh. You know, because you know what's really fascinating to me and 
people at Crimson Cup is the relationships we create, right? So I was creating relationships with new customers here in the States or here in Columbus, really. And then um, one of the things that's been great for us is to create relationships at origin. So the farmers, uh, phenomenal, great people. You know, most of them are just fantastic. Work hard. Right, absolutely. Uh, don't have all the things that we have here, um, the luxuries that we have in the, in the state. So it's really uh, a humbling to be down there and, and to work with them. So I got into that a little bit later. Uh-huh. First, I had to feed uh, uh, <laughs> feed the business, really, <laughs> and get that going because uh, I didn't want to fail. Right. right. That was the big thing for me is, man, I – Look, if I failed back then, I was only 23, 24, 25, and I said, well, geez, what am I going to lose? I could always go back to computer software. I mm-hmm. could always go back and do something else, but I don't want to. You know, I want to do something that I'm passionate about. And so that kept on driving me. That kept on driving me to go out and make those calls when I didn't want to, right? To try to create those new relationships because relationships are very important to me. So that's what drove me through my uh, introversion, I guess, uh, because as a salesperson, you hear most of those are they're all extroverts. Uh-huh. I'm not. You know, uh, however, it was creating the relationship, getting to the end, because that's what's most important to me and still remains uh, extremely important to me is creating those relationships. Well, clearly you're a high achiever because even before you start Crimson Cup, you, you're an Ivy League graduate, you're a college athlete. So I imagine that kind of drive and success translated as well to the initial stages of Crimson Cup. I think it, it, it comes from uh, my background, you know, of, of, of being driven, uh-huh. you know, and, and that was something, uh, again, through my, through my parents that I, that I got that, uh, you know, um, it's kind of interesting for me now to look at it now being a parent, uh, seeing how my parents drove me and, uh, you know, the expectations they put on me, uh, you know, an A is what we accept. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, that's that. A B is not good. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, uh, so that's, you know, that's how I grew up. And that's how, uh, you know, I enjoyed doing all the things that I did. So football, baseball, and of course, uh, I had to be, I didn't have the luxury of, of, of not having a schedule. I mean, I had a schedule. It was pretty much laid out for me, at least from the football field to the baseball field. And then when I got back to the dorm, you know, there was really one thing to do. Study. Study. So, so Greg, you, you've got the product to a point, the coffee to a point where you think this is now ready to sell, ready to get out there. You've been creating this, this marketing plan to, to tell your story. I remember when I was a kid going to like my dad's office, the coffee was, you put the styrofoam cup in a machine, you press the button, it comes out, it smells like burning. And, and so when, when, how receptive were people to your initial message when basically, for most people, coffee hadn't changed for 50, 60 years? That's correct. You know, so for me, I was calling on, again, like I said, anybody who had listened. So I would call on, uh, I just picked a part of downtown, uh-huh. you know, office buildings, restaurants, that type of thing. And I just said, well, you know, I'm going to knock on as many doors as I possibly can. And here's what I found. So back in, so this is circa 1991. Uh-huh. So I would talk to the office manager and guess what, Dan, the office manager didn't drink coffee. <laughs> 
99% of the time. Are you kidding me, really? I'm not kidding you. I would think that You would think, right? It's not true. Uh, It wasn't true back then anyway. So uh, really, it was just kind of explaining, no, I think you're people are going to really like this. Can I just have a trial? And they say, how much is your box of coffee? That's how it came in, a box. Mm -hmm. So is your box of coffee $15 or is it $14? Is it $13? Because that'd be better for me. So it was all about, you know, cost. Mm -hmm. And so overcoming that objective, right, it's not easy. And because certainly back then, and I don't know how it is now, but the office manager was accountable for keeping costs low. Sure. Well, not maybe energizing the staff, but, you know, keeping costs low. <laughs> the bottom line. Uh, you know, Tangible. So, so, again, I found out pretty quick that what I needed to do was just have them taste it. Just have them taste it. Uh, and then I started putting in grinders. No one ever thought about putting grinders because there's another piece of equipment. That was a, an expense that I had to carry. And grinders at that point were 500 bucks a piece. Ooh. You had to put in the other piece of equipment. So there's an investment into everything that I did. But here's what I wanted. I wanted them to have a great experience, right? I wanted every place that I, that I, that I served to have a great experience with coffee. And, uh, and that's really how how I grew the business. So it became, I had to come the, overcome the educational aspect of it first, and then had to overcome the price objective too, which, you know, was a little bit, a little bit more challenging sometimes. Do you remember what that first sale was, what it was like, how you felt? I, I think it was, uh, <laughs> well, well, yeah, I think, I, I think it is the way it is now, right? I, I enjoy that opportunity to start a relationship, right? Because what I want to do is, uh, well, quite frankly, under-promise and over-deliver. That's where we want to be, right? So um, we want to make sure that somebody has a, a phenomenal experience with us. And that's what we, you know, we still do that. And we still want to make sure our customers uh, have a great experience with us and provide them more than they get from anybody else. Now, you you started the business in 1991. You don't open a retail location until 2008. And that is a, a problem and an issue that many entrepreneurs struggle with. Think about when do we open a retail location We've gotten to that point. What led you at Crimson Cup to decide it's now time to have a physical structure called Crimson Cup where we sell this great coffee we've already been selling for 17 years? Well, probably because I'm, I'm a slow learner, probably, <laughs> is why it took so long. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think looking at it, um, we again, we are testing and trying different products in our customer stores. The, the challenge with that is they're very busy, mm-hmm. right? They're very busy. So I didn't feel like we could do a proper evaluation of the product because what we'll do is take a product, not only product, and then make sure people enjoy it and love it type of thing, but then put numbers to it and say, and then market it and say, here's how you market it. And this is what we pass along to our customers, right? So uh, we needed a facility to do that, number one. Number two, from a branding perspective, right? I mean, they've been here for, uh, you know, been in business for a while. And quite frankly, uh, there wasn't as many people knowing about us as I thought could or should or would want to, right? We wanted to share our brand, share us. 
uh-huh. with the community. And uh, I figured, geez, uh, what a better community than Clintonville to, to share that, right? So we did open up that store, and it worked out great for a testing facility. Still, we test products there, as well as our new store in Upper Arlington. We're testing all the time and bringing in different types of coffees and all that type of stuff. But that was really the reason for that uh, first store. Um, and uh, thankfully, it's been well-received by the uh, Clintonville community. You're talking about the community, and obviously a big thing here in central Ohio that you mentioned a little earlier was the Ohio State University. And I know that uh, Crimson Cup has a special relationship uh, with Ohio State, with the university. Could you tell us all a little bit about that and the process that uh, that you went through to develop this relationship? Well, the yeah, the the process uh, it took a while, right? I mean, well, first from, of all, from, you're from the end, you're the official you know? coffee of Ohio State, correct? I, I don't know if we're allowed to use that official. <laughs> I, uh, I made Dan, air but... quotes for those of you who are on the radio, but I made air quotes just for liability purposes. <laughs> but uh, no, we do have a good relationship yes. with them, and and part of it was us delivering on the results that it is that we would say, right? So this goes back to probably they gave me a chance, right? Mm-hmm. It, they gave me a chance back in probably two thousand. Uh, and, and, and so um, they give us a chance for what it is that we're doing. And that was back when local wasn't a big word. Um, so I'm very thankful for that, number one. Number two, we delivered on the results that it is that we said we would do. And, you know, obviously they're an operation that needs to make money, want, uh, wants to make money. And we help them do that with their coffee bars uh, there. And then we said, you know what, um, I'm dealing with some very – fantastic people over there um and uh uh, the head of dining services there in particular, he's like, hey, you know, I asked him, I said, what, what about taking Ohio State students to origin? You know, see what it's all about. Let's let's do that. And he said yes. <laughs> and so we started taking Ohio State students down to origin, down to Honduras, one of our coffee. Where the uh, coffee is grown. One of, our, one of our coffee farms that we work with, a very small community, but uh, uh, with a decent amount of needs down there. And so we started taking Ohio State students there to kind of show them the coffee industry, but also show them what, what it is that, uh, you know, uh, the villages, you know, uh-huh. the people, the farmers, uh, the community. Uh-huh. And I think uh, it's it's been really fantastic. And, and we look for that to continue and continue on because I think we can make, and we are, we already have, but we can continue to make one heck of a difference in different communities uh, throughout. Uh, another thing, when I first moved here, not many people thought highly of Columbus, right? It was somewhere in between, you know, maybe San Francisco and Boston and New York, right? I mean, nobody thought about it too much. But now, with Columbus coming around, people want to stay here. Yes. There's a lot to offer, right? People yes. want to stay in Columbus. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and so I think with all the benefits of Columbus, having Ohio State here, but also having the businesses surrounding that that can, that can offer the opportunities that a graduate would want uh, is, again, another positive characteristic for Columbus. To your point a little bit, um, I remember as a kid, Columbus wasn't just Columbus, it was Columbus, Ohio, because you had to say Columbus, Ohio to differentiate from Columbus, Georgia or Columbus, Indiana or how many ever Columbuses there were. But now, I mean, in 2015, you say Columbus, you know, you're talking about Columbus, Ohio, which is as a lifelong resident here. I always thought that was a pretty cool thing. I think you're right. I think it's, uh, you know, uh, saying just Columbus. Uh, now, again, I have to say I was out in 
uh, Maine and uh, <laughs> just last week on vacation. And I did have to say Columbus, Ohio. But I do test people like that. Are they going to test me? Are they going to say, Columbus, where's that? Uh, yeah, some of them still do. So we got we got a little ways of work to do, but that's normal. But we've come a long way. Come a long way. Now, um, Greg, what is on the horizon? Because you're talking about continually innovating. You're talking about continuing to expand. You've gone from one retail location to, to more than one. Uh, what is on the horizon for Crimson for Crimson Cup in the next, you know, three, four, five years? Well, I, I, I think that, uh, well, certainly the, the, the crash has taught us that no matter how well our plans are, things may not turn out the way they, they do. However, having said that, I think that um, my thing has always been, can we share Crimson Cup with more people and how can we do that, right? So we're looking at definitely more retail locations because I think that uh, – um, I think that we can. I think we do have something special to offer. I know we have something special to offer out there. We have wonderful people. One of the best things that I hear uh, is uh, people saying, man, your, your people are so nice and, yeah. and, and they know about coffee. And so I said, great. You know, that's the best compliment I could ever get. So I think we can continue that. Uh, I think that we can uh, help others uh, achieve what it is that they want to achieve. So uh, I think there's um, my whole thing is just Hey, can we get the word out about Crimson Cup? You know, it's it's a special place, and I want to share that with as many people as I can. We have been talking with Greg Hubert from Crimson Cup. Greg, it has been such a pleasure to have you here today. You have a fascinating story, an amazing business, and and thank you so much for sharing your story with everyone here at CBuzz. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, obviously, I appreciate uh, appreciate being here. Excellent. How can we find out more about Crimson Cup online or interact through social media? Oh, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, obviously crimsoncup.com. We have uh, Facebook pages and uh, and uh, my marketing director handles. She's, she's wonderful. She handles all the uh, social media aspects of that at our stores in, in Clintonville uh, and uh and up Arlington right now. Uh, those are some great places to really see who we are and what we do. Excellent. Thank you so much again. Once again, we have been talking with Greg Hubert from Crimson Cup. And I want to thank him. I want to thank you, Greg. And I want to thank all of our listeners, all of you for listening to CBuzz. We bring you great stories from Central Ohio, Columbus business owners like Greg Hubert, like Crimson Cup. I'm your host, Dan Swartout. CBuzz is recorded here at GrooveView Studios. Mark Pasternak is our audio engineer. Delara Casey is our producer. We hope you enjoy enjoyed today's show with Greg Hubert and Crimson Cup, and we will catch you next time here on CBuzz. Thanks again for listening.